Hello and welcome to Gibraltar Stories. I'm Lindsay Weston and last week I took you back to July this year when Gibraltar played host to athletes from across the globe for the 2019 NatWest International Island Games. In that episode we heard from athletes who took part in the Games as well as from Linda Alvarez, Chair of the Organising Committee. This time the focus is on a group of people who gave their time freely to help make sure that everything ran smoothly. From those who directed traffic and made sure the technology was up to the task in hand, to those who presented the medals and captured the events on film. Volunteers were the backbone of the organisation. Can we have all the volunteers and officials to the finish line area, please? When I first spoke to Linda Alvarez, the chair of the organising committee, about the Island Games back in spring, it seemed that they had a mountain to climb in terms of what needed to be ready for the start of the Games. The new sporting venues still needed to be finished, accommodation for the athletes and their support teams needed to be prepared, and so much still had to be done. But that said, when July the 6th came round, Gibraltar was ready for the Games. Linda Alvarez said it was a relief when it all came together on time. Well, you know, I have to say we had a mountain full of people helping. It, at one stage, it felt like sort of every single department, any every government department in Gibraltar was helping, as well as, you know, we had probably five, six hundred volunteers all, all doing everything. You know, and I think one thing that's definitely come from this is how, if needs be, people will work together to do if it's something for Gibraltar. You know, and it was just amazing how everybody just said, "Right, yeah, it's the Ireland Games. We're doing it for Gibraltar, and it's got to be done." Uh, and it was so. I, you know, hats off to all those people out there that just just made this thing happen. And what about the volunteers? Um, there were literally hundreds you mentioned earlier who who actually gave up their time for free to to come and steward at the events and and help in various facilities. Um, what did they add? to the whole experience? Oh, I think they were one of the backbone to the whole thing because they were everywhere. You know, you, you and in fact, it was quite funny because we gave different coloured T-shirts to, to do, depending on the type of um, volunteers that they were. Um, the Argus Games Makers were the ones that were all in the turquoise ones and there was hundreds of those. Um, they were everywhere, just, just doing what was needed. And... Um, and everybody was saying, you know, they walk along the street and somebody would say, well, what do you want? Where are you going? You know, people were picking people up and all sorts of things, you know. The volunteers, and, and they loved it themselves as well. Um, they thought it was great and, you know, it couldn't have happened without these people. And they put their heart and soul into it. You know, some of them were working, you know, from 7 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night and incredible. Do you feel like that maybe... What, what the volunteers gave you was more than you were expecting. Yes, I think also because the volunteers didn't really know what they were, what it was is about or what to expect as well. And I think, um, so for example, my, my attaches, when I, I told them that they've got to work long hours and, um, you know, that they've got to do, you know, do what the team managers want. But I think once they started the job, they said, you didn't tell us half of the things that we had to do and what we, you know, what we needed to do, but they absolutely loved it, you know. And so, um, I mean, even so much that our accreditation tags weren't very good. We had one of our attaches that carried a um, 
laminate her in a car around with her. So any time one of the, you know, the accreditation tags broke, so she was just laminating everybody's accreditation. So, you know, it was just, it was just, you know, different. It was just, they just went and just did whatever they had to do and they loved every minute of it. I think speaking to a few few of the volunteers myself, there was an immense pride in, in representing Gibraltar mm-hmm. and showing it in its best light. Yeah, I think that is what it is. And I th- like I said to you before, everybody came together because it was for Gibraltar. And I think, you know, in, in this you know, in this situation where we are at the moment, we're not sure about Brexit, everything that's going on, you know, I think everybody wanted to do it because it was Gibraltar, because we knew we could do it. Um, we knew we had to make a good example. And like you say, everybody is very proud to, to be here, you know, and I think that's the most proudest moment I've been, is is um, organising this Games, you know, because I've been here, what, 32 years now. And, you know, I, I class myself as Gibraltarian, and, um, and I am. And it was just amazing. In the months before the Island Games, various calls went out to the community in Gibraltar for volunteers to come on board and help with the preparations ahead of the Games, as well as during the week of sport itself. One of the hundreds of people who responded to that call was Helen Mumford. She's a volunteer at a number of community groups already and signed up to help. Prior to the Games, um, I volunteered, said I was available for the Games, but um, they rang me up in the Easter just before and asked if I'd come in and do some office work, which I was under the impression would just be a bit of filing and printing and organising. But actually, once they found out what my background was, I ended up being the IT project manager for the last four months of the Games. And how was that for you? Uh, it was a bit of a shock to the system. It was literally going from not working to suddenly working again after a number of years being off. Um, but actually, it was fantastic. Really enjoyed like the office environment. The games office was so welcoming and friendly. Um, it was just a, a great experience to really see behind the scenes of a lot of what was happening. You got, got a bit of insider information on the game, so it was just enjoyable, really, and stressful at times when you've got ministers and um, uh, other contractors and you're trying to liaise between them, but actually it was a real um, experience. And what about giving you an insight into parts of Gibraltar that you wouldn't normally come across in your everyday life. Yeah, indeed. Um, within sort of two days of there, I was told I had to do site visit to every uh, um, site that existed for the Games and I needed to check their IT, etc. out. Um, so that Sunday, I was um, had to go and find the shooting range, which is an area that I would never have been involved in and it was an experience and a half trying to find that. Um, and so, yeah, I got to go to places that I would never never have experienced um and so yeah an eye-opener especially the shooting rich <laughs> and what did you get out of it i always like to do a bit of volunteering giving back to the community but i really i i did feel like i was actually part of the island games family i really felt like i knew what was going on that um it just made you feel like you were giving something back without um without the sort of stresses of a, um, a corporate world. It was actually doing something for the community, a fun thing. You weren't making money for people, you were making an experience for people. And what's your takeaway memory from the whole thing? 
Um, well, there's, there's many. There's many of being locked in a cupboard with an asset manager trying to asset manage 100 PCs in one go. Um, um, but fundamentally, I would say some things like um, when I actually did some of the marshalling, the actual when the games were on, there was a sense of pride because I could see certain things that were happening that I knew I had organised, I had done that, and that wouldn't have been there otherwise. But also just talking to the people from the different countries, the competitors, so just coming away thinking, oh, I'm, you know, this is Gibraltar, this is what we've got to show, and haven't we put on an amazing uh, show? And it made all the work beforehand, all the stress, all the things, so worth it. Now, it wasn't just you and your family who was involved in the volunteering, was it? No, no, everyone. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the pets involved, but otherwise everyone in our family got involved. So my uh, husband was a sponsor, so he became involved. His company got all their volunteers, but also he was at medal ceremonies handing out some of the medals. He also did some marshalling and some of, um, of the official work for the athletics. Um, my daughter was as part of guides they were volunteering as at middle ceremonies um, and then my son who wasn't supposed to be volunteering but accidentally got roped in one night when someone one of the other volunteers fell short so he became a flag bearer at one of the middle ceremonies so yeah we were definitely a family of volunteers <laughs> Megan you were one of the medal bearers weren't you yes I uh, was and how was that for you it was really fun because you got to see most of the athletes and you never knew who you were giving it to because in my group of girls we switched each medal so once I on the first one I was gold then on the second one I was bronze because we did so everyone could have a chance. And how many medal ceremonies did you attend? I did 21 in total. That's an awful lot over the period of a week isn't it? Yeah. What, what would you say was the highlight for you the, of the games? The first one, because I got to see the competition as well, and I just really liked that. So. It's quite something to, to go back to school with and, and tell all your friends you were involved in all these medal ceremonies, and I've seen online and in the papers photos of the medal ceremonies and there you are with your fellow girl guides and your medal cushions and the, the cuddly dolphins how was it what was it like to actually have to go in front of all these people and present them uh, it wasn't nerve-wracking because I wasn't really facing them so I knew they weren't watching me Unless they were my family and friends, they were watching the people giving the medal, so it would have been more scary if I was standing on the podium. Megan Mumford there, one of a family of four volunteers. Like Helen, David Parodi decided he wanted to be involved in the Games as a volunteer and put his skills as a photographer to good use, leading a team of volunteers and offering a much-needed service. We heard the call for volunteers, like everybody else did, and I said, I want to be involved, I want to be part of this, but I really didn't want to be directing traffic. So I said, well, can't I use my photography skills to help? So I, I approached Kim... Kim Chan, um, and I said, look, how would you like me to put together a team of photographers and create a media pool of photography for you? And he went crazy with the idea. 
he loved it from the beginning Linda loved it as well um, and that was the start of it that was over well over a year before the Island Games started so I contacted some uh, photographers who I knew and then I put out a request at the Gibraltar Photographic Society as well and said anybody interested wants to take part in this so we had a few takers from there so we ended up with a team of nine people uh, with different skill sets I don't call myself a sports photographer I do rugby and I do football but sports is not really my thing um, but the challenge of being able to do something different in Gibraltar photography wise uh, was just too appealing and the other photographers are just the same they all might have to do a bit of basketball or a bit of hockey but not all the sports that were in the island games and that was the attraction for it so these nine photographers none of them work as photographers well one of them does one's a professional photographer uh, but the rest of us have day jobs we all had to skive ask for annual leave relocate our responsibilities um, to be able to free ourselves up for the, the 10 days of all the island games some of us couldn't make it all the time some of us made it part of the time whatever we could we were volunteering for it so I was just grateful that people were turning up and the team of nine photographers did a absolutely wonderful job uh, my brief to them uh, as, as sort of the coordinator for this was I want you to capture people's emotions whether it be the effort the happiness, the sadness, uh, the work that's gone into the whole process, how the, their teams go together, even the supporters. But I want emotions and I want eyes and I want faces. And that's what they did. Uh, they, they didn't capture sort of the big field with people running in the distance. It was all about conveying people's emotions. Um, and they did a superb job. I, we looked at images from Getty Images and Reuters and all the ones that do sports photographies throughout the world and I compare the image quality of those photo agencies with what the nine photographers produced and we're at a par with them I can say very proudly we got nothing to envy them well I've certainly seen quite a few of the images online um, and they're so powerful you can see the the effort that the athletes went into there were some incredible ones I think um, is, is it John Pierce? John, yes. Who hit the top of the rock when That's those it. cyclists had got... Almost. I mean, how on earth they did what they did to cycle up to the top of the rock in the heat. Yeah. And just the total look of... There was nothing left, was there, nothing when left. they got to the end. But then, but then your John, John's image is probably, the, the, I think, the most iconic image of all of those. Uh, at St. Michael's Cave, where you've got Derek Barbara going up. But you not only have you got Derek's effort on the bicycle, but you have 20, 30 people egging him on in, in his probably yes. the, mo the steepest, most difficult bit of the course, just running behind him. And that's why, to me, that image is so, is so strong. Absolutely. Uh, because it's not just the athlete's effort, it's the supporters' efforts as well. And I thought that, that was brilliant. What would you say was your highlight from the, from the week of the Island Games? It's just see how the community came together prior to the games there was a lot of whinging ah, road closures no parking how am I going to get here all this money's being spent blah 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 but the moment the game started there was a complete paradigm shift and people just got behind the games and that to me as a Gibraltarian was wow we know how to do this properly um, forget the images forget the medals forget any of that 
It's just how well it was all put together. And a lot of credit of that goes to the Island Games Committee. Kim, Linda and all the team there. You cannot imagine how much work they've, they've done to put that together. And it goes unnoticed most of the time uh, because they're just as easily roll up their sleeves and unpacking boxes as they are trying to organise major bits of the, of the event. So for me, the highlight was that, just seeing how the community got behind it. I loved it. There was an amazing atmosphere, I thought. And it was every day we'd get up, I'd get up with the kids and we'd look at the programme and it'd be like, what are we going to go and see today? The fact that all the events were free yeah. and you could just turn up partway through an event, it wasn't an issue, you just turned yeah. up and it exposed the young people of Gibraltar to so many different sports that otherwise mm. they wouldn't have seen and to also meet and mingle with, with yeah. people from all over all the place. For me, as a photographer, for me, it was the opportunity for, to photograph sports I would never cover. Badminton, I thought, was the most difficult sport to phot photograph. Uh, Neville, who did table tennis, said, this is the fastest game on the planet to try and capture the ping-pong ball in frame <laughs> with the player in it. it. The whole challenge of this, of the athletics, things that normally I wouldn't bother turning up for. As you said, the atmosphere was so great. I remember the previous Island Games, um, which I didn't participate much, but I do remember the community feel, because we had football in those days, and Gibraltar reached the semi-finals of the football in those Island Games, and how Gibraltar got together. But this Games, I thought, was even better, because the variety of the, of the sports, but also, we have to face it, those facilities where the sports took place were top-notch ones. Um, I'm actually a bit sad that in the swimming they're going to put a roof on it mm. because for photography without a roof it looked really, really nice. <laughs> yes, you had pure daylight coming in, <laughs> reflecting off the water, didn't you? All the photographers were going crazy. Now oh, there's too many reflections, there's too many shadows. For me it was wonderful. The abstractness of it was, was good and the, um, the choice of a, the blue athletics track for photography matching the blue skies that we had for that week uh, had produced some great images there. I felt really sad at the end of the week when it was like, oh, what are we going to do now? Because it was just so all-consuming every day. It was wonderful. I can only imagine what it was like for you. Well, it was it, it's that, that sort of anticlimax at the end of it. So every day when we did a sport, within an hour, most of the photographers had put their images up uh, because, as I said, this was a media pool which was accessible by the team media, the teams themselves and the participants. So they needed to see their images as quickly after the, the event had finished. So every night we've been working late, producing all these images and then closing ceremony comes and say, okay, so what, what are we gonna to do tomorrow? <laughs> it was just sort of this whole anticlimax of all this week of intense work. First day we were totally nervous because we didn't know what we were doing. And then by the end of it, it was really relaxed, really in the rhythm of it and then it ends. Uh, <laughs> what a shame. What a shame. What a shame. <laughs> if anybody listening to this would like to see some of the images of the Island Games, is there anywhere they can go to to, to yes. see? Yes, uh, they're still up. Uh, if you go to the Games uh, website, uh, I can't remember what, what it is, but it's, it's. I'll put it in the show notes. You put it on. <laughs> and there's a link which says photos, and that'll take you to a Dropbox folder. So I personally took about 14,000 images of, of uh, the Island Games during the week. All the photographers had similar amounts, but we each self-edited it out. But there are 7,000 images there, um, organised by date and then organised by 
by sport as well. So if you're interested in basketball, you can easily see what those images. Unfortunately, we couldn't cover all the sports all of the days, um, but there's a lot there. And it's not just the Gibraltar team. Uh, it's every team that we were present at, we took photographs. We didn't discriminate between one or the other. We wanted to catch as much of the images and the emotions as we could, and we really weren't bothered as whether it was Team Gibraltar or it wasn't Team Gibraltar. But I think um, if you have a few hours to spend to browse through photographs, I think there's no better pastime than looking at those 7,000 images. If you'd like to see the images David and the rest of the photography team took, you can find them on the Gibraltar 2019 website. The link for it is in the show notes for this episode. You'll also be able to see some of them on the webpage for this episode at gibraltarstories.com. Even though the new sporting facilities were games ready for the island games, they weren't actually finished. As David Parodi mentioned, the new swimming pool was minus a roof and permanent changing rooms, and the Europa Point Stadium was in need of some finishing touches, and that work is still continuing at the moment. The Island Games, though, has left a legacy for not just the people of Gibraltar, but for visiting athletes in the future too. First of all, you've got all the different venues that have been built um, for the various sports, which is, which is amazing. Uh, on top of that, you've also got all the different technologies that we've added to the different venues, not just the new ones, but the old ones. Uh, we've also trained a lot of officials for the Games, and so that that... The, these officials can then officiate at other games if we, you know, because this is the whole point. We we want to try to bring in some sports um, tourism now into Gibraltar. Um, we have also initiated the sustainability um, aspect of the games in the fact that we didn't want to use a single use, um, you know, plastic, and so we initiated that. So we had, you know, reusable water bottles. We had fountains everywhere so hopefully this legacy can carry on not just in Gibraltar but also in the games as well but you know I also went into various schools before the games and I gave various lectures not just about the Ironing Games but also about our sustainability uh, project and also about asking them to come and you know and see the different sports as well and I think yes this is a good um, thing because a lot of the the children did come along to see the sports um, and recognised that this is something that they might be interested in. They could see sports that they've never ever seen before in their lives and be you know part of it. You know, I think like the cycling was you know obviously a very interesting one, and the triathlon. You know, but we had judo on as well that people could go and see. You know, all sorts of sports. So you know, hopefully youngsters will now could take up the mantle of these um, other sports that they've not seen before and uh, in fact we've initiated two not new sports but sports that were dying shall we say like for example um, table tennis had sort of um, sort of hadn't really organised themselves very much lately, but that that sport is now back on the up and up. Now you know we're going. We've got school children doing it now. The association's been reformed, and hopefully that's going to be re- revived again. And if you even if you just look at now the new beach volleyball courts, 
and hopefully the beach volleyball has now got a home which they never had one before so hopefully you know that will be part of the game so you know and as well not well not the legacy but I mean the income that was brought to Gibraltar during that week and two weeks is incredible um, you know if you're looking at 3,000 people really in Gibraltar for over a week so that was a lot of money that's been spent as well so you know, I, I think the legacy is, is is huge and I really think it was worthwhile putting it on. And I just hope that with all the new sporting facilities that have been built and all the officials that we've got, that now we can actually go forward and promote Gibraltar as a warm weather um, training place so that we can develop this and we can bring in sports tourism now as well and hopefully again this is another way of you know earning money and bringing it into Gibraltar as well so I think there's a big future there now. My thanks to Linda Alvarez, Helen and Megan Mumford and David Parodi for speaking to me about their experiences with the Island Games this summer. It was truly a summer to remember. Next week, I'll be sharing the last of my retrospective summer episodes with you as we hear from Giordano Durante about the anthology of contemporary Gibraltar poets, which was published at the start of the summer. Thanks very much for downloading and listening to this episode and for taking an interest in Gibraltar stories. If you enjoyed the podcast and could find the time to leave a review on your chosen podcast provider or share it on social media, I'd be very grateful as it'll help other people find the podcast more easily in future. Don't forget you can listen back to any of the previous episodes on GibraltarStories.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or Spotify. And if you have a Gibraltar story that you'd like to share, please get in touch with me through Facebook, Instagram or Twitter or by email to GibraltarStories at gmail.com. Until next week, goodbye for now and thanks very much for listening.